the defensive side of the ball gets active in the transfer portal, plus we look at the quarterback position and possible scenarios moving forward. Should be an exciting show. Anyway, this is the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. You are Locked On Ole Miss, your daily podcast on the Ole Miss Rebels, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome to the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. I am your host, Stephen Willis. Um, thank you for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. Hit the bell for notifications, subscribe to the channel, comment, all of that good stuff. We'd appreciate it. And also, we want to let you know that LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Monty Montgomery is in the boat at Ole Miss, and this is a major upgrade at linebacker. What was once a desperate situation is starting to look a little bit easier, a little bit smoother as this goes, and more players may be at it in the future. The defensive side of the ball has been slow, but mainly because half of the transfer portal window, Lane Kiffin was negotiating with Pete Golding. We didn't know if it was going to be a system change. You don't want to bring people in that are built for the Chris Partridge 326. You want people that are built for what Pete Golding wants to do. So that explains the slowness in the defensive side of the ball. Now, Josh Harris is in the boat. Jeremiah Jean-Baptiste is in the boat. And now Monty Montgomery is in the boat. We have Chris um, John Saunders as well. So that's four players defensively that they have gotten. Um, I think Gaddy, I don't know what's going on there. I, I don't want to comment too much on it, but he is committed to go to Ole Miss, but he may not be able to transfer, something like that. I don't know. Remember with Michael Trigg last year, there was a transfer problem. They, they were able to get figured out. He was enrolled in school. So this is not abnormal. I think it's just abnormal that we're hearing about it, if that makes sense. Anyway, but Monty Montgomery, he's a guy that when Ole Miss played in Louisville in Atlanta last year was a problem the whole game until he got a targeting program or targeting targeting penalty. And then Ole Miss was able to break free and do what they needed to do. And you saw Ole Miss as an offensive unit get better when he went off the field. That is the impact that Monty Montgomery made. He's had over 100 tackles, several tackles for all. I mean, he is a dominant player. Now, he's about 6'2", 215, so he doesn't necessarily fit um, a true jack. So, you know, I'm not looking for him to be on the outside. I'm thinking he's going to be the inside linebacker that does most of the rushing, most of the red dogs. And through that, they might free up Jeremiah Jean-Baptiste, but they still need that edge player. We're still looking for that. Now, there's a um, defensive lineman for Oregon who is more of a 3-5 technique type player, okay? Um, he's, he's not an edge, but he will fit in that area because if you look at the defensive line and the defensive front right now, you have, honestly, a pretty decent front four. You have Cedric Johnson and Jared Ivey as the ends. Both of those go about 270. In the inside, you've got J.J. Pegues and Josh Harris. 
that's probably going to be the first four that lines up in the spring. That might not be the first four that lines up in the fall, but that's probably going to be the first four that lines up in the spring. Filling in behind them becomes the issue. And I think that's where people panic and that's where people look at what are we, what do we need to do? And somebody like Taiwan Malone, is this the year he takes a step? Jamon Gordon got out of the portal because, probably because he saw that the defensive line is honestly going to go from one position of really jumbo players to three. So you need six at a minimum to play this and play this well. Now, if you look at this, if Ole Miss has a top 50 defense, which they haven't had since 2015, so, you know, Ole Miss has a top 50 defense, they're going 10-2, and two, even with as hard as the schedule is next year. This offense has a chance to have – they have toys everywhere. This has a chance to be an absolutely amazing offense, and we will talk about the quarterback room scenarios in the next segment. And some interesting stuff there with rumors about the arrival of Spencer Sanders, both one way or in the other. Um, Jackson Dart, you know, going to compete for the job. He's going to do everything that he can do to win it. And he is the prohibited favorite right now. Let me Let me just say that. He's got all the talent in the world, and as the season went on, he got better. And then you have Walker Howard, who I love. Oh, my goodness. This cat, he's a dude. And we will talk about the scenarios that go in there. But this offense has a chance to be really good regardless. Chris Marshall, Trey Harris, Caden Priestcorn, Michael Trigg, Quinshawn Judkins, Keaton Risco- Ke- Kedrick Riscano, um, Ulysses Bentley the, the fourth. You have weapons lining up at all the positions. You have four of the top five offensive linemen back. Now, I realize that some people think that the offensive line is a problem, but I've explained a little bit why that wasn't necessarily on the offense line last year. Some of that is on the quarterback holding the ball. Some of that is on the deepness of the RPOs. We'll, we'll see what um, the new offensive line coach, John Garrison, comes up with and can deal with that. I do think Ole Miss needs to do some more traditional pass sets. I do think Ole Miss needs to do some more um, traditional run plays. But it is what it is. That's just my opinion on that. But Monty Montgomery makes that linebacker room behind the defensive line. You you pretty much have your your six, your six spine, your six-man spine taken care of at the moment. Now you're building depth behind it. That's why Jamon Gordon coming out of the portal was so important. That's why Xavier Harris taking a step this year is so important. That's why Tawa Malone this year is so important in taking a step. Now, you still need to find linebackers. And like I said, there's a linebacker, I think, out of Alabama that's a possibility. Uh, you know, who, who knows what's going to happen? I love the chaos of the transfer portal. But whenever you hear stuff, basically all you hear is a name. But we'll see exactly what happens. Um, I think there's a cornerback on campus right now from Georgia Tech. We'll see if. He joins Jared Ivey at Ole Miss. Ole Miss has a chance to be a really interesting defensive team. Not necessarily a good one, but an interesting one. Because if you go back to the UTSA defenses under Pete Golden and what got him the Alabama job, everybody talks about Pete Golden can coach Alabama players, but what happens if he has lesser players? Well, he got the Alabama job by coaching at UTSA. I mean, that, that's a silly argument. So, 
at UTSA, which is what I've watched over the last, and, and they had Marcus Davenport um, from the New Orleans Saints on that team. And this was a team that played in the backfield. This was an aggressive team. This was a team that shot out of a cannon. The best plays run against the UTSA's defense was a reverse, some, some sort of a counter flow play. And seeing that and the way the linebackers played and the way they attacked and the way they did a lot of stuff made me honestly excited for what he can bring to Ole Miss. Now, some fans are seeing Pete Golding and what he did in Alabama, and they're expecting him to bring those same results over to Ole Miss. And the reality is right now he doesn't have the same type guys, period. But at UTSA, he had lesser guys than the guys that he's putting on the field at Ole Miss. And this was a team that was difficult to score on. Texas A&M struggled against them. They beat Baylor. You know, UTSA got put on the map by Pete Golding in that defense. It was attacking. It was aggressive. It called turnovers, caused turnovers. And what that means is it's going to steal possessions for the offense. And this offense with all these toys and the ability to be so good, if they can force a field goal, if they can get a fumble, if they can pick the ball off, if they can get a big sack and force a punt, all of a sudden that is stealing possessions for the offense and making it incredibly hard to catch the team they're playing. What other teams went through against Tennessee last year, teams have a chance to go through against Ole Miss this year. This offense for Ole Miss has a chance to be really special. I mean, we've had good offenses the last three years. This one has a chance to be on another level. But a lot of it has to do with this quarterback battle, how it gets settled, and what happens. I've got theories on what we need to do and how it might look. But it needs to translate. Last year, when you looked at everything on paper... You didn't see that donut-sized hole in the middle of the field because that's never happened before. Now, whether that was a quarterback with the inability to see linebackers across the middle of the field, whether that was a coach that was intentionally calling things different, like a Weiss-type thing, um, whether that was the fact that they were trying to overly rely on Quinshawn and Zach, I don't know, but it was a tactical mistake. I mean, I think we can all agree with that right now. Team struggled in the red zone. Um, by the end of the year, linebackers was able to tee off on Quinshawn and Zach, and they could almost do it without consequence. So, anyway, today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. As a small business owner or hiring manager, you know that success in 2023 depends on the team members you surround yourself with. That's why you have decided to check out LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can have the qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with the people who have the skills, values, and experiences that achieve your goals. Now, this channel's personal goal, we want to get to 7,000 YouTube subscribers by the end of the year. We want to increase the number of perspectives that are on this channel. There are several goals. So, it's like a LinkedIn thing to where we have things that we want to hit. And like Pratt Rogers on this show, he's going to be on probably Tuesday, like he has been recently, more perspectives. And LinkedIn, you know, can handle your business the same way. Whatever your goal's in, however you want to expand, 
whatever is going on at your business to make you more efficient, they can do. It can help you attract qualified candidates for your open jobs with targeting tools. They go beyond resume data by using insights from your job post comp company and their 875 million member profiles. That's like 10% of the world's population right there. Identify the most popular qualified candidates on LinkedIn jobs and connect with them fast and for free. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Now make sure you check out our brand new podcast. It's Locked On College Basketball. Everything you need to know about college basketball in one place. Plus hear from big name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. It's Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. All right, we're going to talk about quarterback room scenarios and just kind of running them in my head over the last few days. There's several different ways this, this can go. Um, I always say whenever you do this, everybody needs to not be team one quarterback or the other. They need to be team Ole Miss. That, that's my opinion on that. If you're team one quarterback or the other, I mean, I'm still hearing John Rice Plumley versus Matt Corral talk three years later or four years later. We, we don't need that. Uh, that. That's counterproductive and doesn't really do any any good. So, But we are going to talk about scenarios of how this could actually play out. And what I would like to see, and I'm like I said, I'm not going to do that, but Walker Howard, I love Walker Howard. It, just a fantastic player. You watch his high school film, go to Huddle and watch his high school film. You will not be disappointed. He is a guy that has tools very, very similar to Matt Corral. He plays the position that way. He uses the middle of the field. He anticipates throws. He does things at a higher level than a high school quarterback normally does. Absolutely fantastic player. I'm looking forward to seeing him at Ole Miss um, doing that. So we have seen online, and everybody's reported stuff everywhere, You know, going back and forth. I don't know what's going on. Everybody's reported 15 things um, out. So if I say something that you reported, I apologize. That's not what I meant to say, um, obviously. But when you think about this, honestly, and Walker Howard left LSU who where he was a legacy. You know, we talked about Jamie Howard and all of that. The, the, we've talked about the Auburn game and how that is infamous at this point. But he left them after one year, after Jaden Daniels came back. I honestly think J um, Walker Howard is at LSU if Jaden Daniels goes pro. But Jaden Daniels decided to come back, which good for LSU. He had a heck of a year. I mean, they went to the SEC West Championship game. They earned it. Good player. Garrett Musmeyer, Nussmeyer, heck of a player. In the um, SEC Championship game, he threw for 300 yards or something against Georgia. Yeah, I, I get that. So, Whenever you see that coming through and you're the third-string third quarterback, you automatically are looking at it with um, Nussmeyer has two more years of eligibility at a minimum. So you're looking at before you can even compete for the job, it being 
2024. And before you're likely winning the job is 2025. And this isn't a um, thing on Walker Howard. It's just because LSU's quarterback room and Coach Ed Orgeron recruited fairly well and Jaden Daniels turned out to be a little bit of a weapon. I mean, it just kind of fell in LSU's lap on that. It just so happens that the third-string quarterback was a potential generational-type talent. But the ones you had in front of him was just a little bit out of reach. So Walker Howard decided to transfer to Ole Miss. Now, Ole Miss had Jackson Dart, who was the starter last year. He threw for nearly 3,000 yards, 20 touchdowns, 11 picks, something like that. Then Ole Miss gets a transfer from Spencer Sanders from Oklahoma State, who career-wise has thrown for 9,000 yards. He's a former Big 12 Player of the Year. He does have 40 picks. He will throw it to the other team. So both of these quarterbacks have the same flaw, but they go about it different ways. I hope I hope this is making sense to everybody. So Walker Howard, I don't think would walk out of that LSU situation to walk into this Ole Miss situation, if that makes sense at all. So this is what I think is on the table for 2023. Now, I don't know. I haven't heard anything. This is just the way I see it. You want me to be honest? You want me to tell it like it is? This this is that. I think Walker Howard this year will be the number two quarterback. If he doesn't win the starting job, he'll be the number two quarterback. And the loser of Jackson Dart and Spencer Sanders will drop and be the number three quarterback and probably potentially transfer out. Now, if it's Spencer Sanders as the number three quarterback, and for some reason he doesn't get here to the fall, he can't transfer out. He's kind of stuck in it. And in that case, it's a Tyrone Pigram type situation where you just have a guy playing, you know. Because if he doesn't get here until the fall, and Jackson Dart has all of spring, and Walker Howard has all of spring to get the leg up on Spencer Sanders. I don't, I don't know how much you can worry about Spencer Sanders in the fall. When you have a month, you remember what Jackson Dart was like last spring. If you have a month to pick up this offense, Jeremiah Masoli in 2010, remember what he looked like early in the season. It takes a minute to pick up what's going on. There's some acclimation that has to happen. You know, quarterbacks enrolling earlier and going through spring, whenever they, you know, even before they sign in December, some people would enroll in January, sign in February, because they needed to. They needed that acclimation period, that 15 practice. So in the fall, they're ready to go. But that wasn't necessarily available. And that may not be potentially available this time for Spencer Sanders. Now, he's a four-year starter, a lot of the acclimation. He's a married, mature guy. He's going to adapt more quickly than an 18-year-old freshman. Yes, I get that. But this if he comes in the fall, this spring is massive for Jackson Dart. Massive. He needs to make a lead in the spring that Spencer Sanders can't catch. That becomes that goal. Walker Howard needs to come in here and acclimate as quickly as possible and in the fall take the step because he's going to have, he's a young guy you know, just like Jackson Dart last year it's going to take a minute but in the fall he gets the opportunity to take a step in the fall it looks like an absolute war 
Now, if Spencer Sanders is here in the spring, the springtime is a war. That's Spencer Sanders, um, Walker Howard, and Jackson Dart going at it. 15 practices, let's go. But there's several different scenarios that could happen. Like I said, the player that I am most intrigued by is Walker Howard, and I will freely admit that right now. Um, Jackson Dart has a major advantage because of time in the system going into fall, but over him and Spencer Sanders. Spencer Sanders has his work to do, and if he wins the job, Ole Miss is better for it. Does that does that make sense at all? Uh, I hope it does. I hope I didn't lose anybody. So if Spencer Sanders wins this job, Ole Miss is better. If Jackson Dart wins this job, that means he was better and was able to win the job, making him better. So Ole Miss is better. If Walker Howard wins this job, that means he is absolutely shown out early and Ole Miss has a chance to be special eventually. That's that's when we start looking at 2024 and we're like, yes, yes. So I'm very, very excited about what could happen. Anyway, when we come back, we are going to talk about Kedrick Criscano at the Polynesian Bowl and him doing something that you don't see in all-star games. He has a chance to be a special one. I'm telling you, Ole Miss has a type at running back. Anyway, we'll be back right after this. All right, thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. So do me a favor. Go to YouTube, subscribe, hit the bell for notifications, and of course, subscribe. Uh, like I said, subscribe, comment, and upvote as well. If you do that, we will be very happy. Anyway, Kedrick Riscano was at the Polynesian Bowl, and that leaves the all-star total for Ole Miss players this year. Ole Miss signed 12. Four of them were in national all-star games. That's that's a big deal. That, there's, there's no real way you can get around that. That's a third of the signee class going to major All-American games. You've got Aiden Williams and um, Santarian Perkins in the Under Armour game. Saw him with my own eyes. I was there. I love that event. I'm going to go back and cover that every year, whether or not Ole Miss players are in it or not. Um, although, if you're an Ole Miss player and you want the extra coverage, yeah, I'll be down there. So, pick the Under Armour game. Um, I think the Rebel Walk is actually at the other All-American game in San Antonio, Braxton Myers. He who had the first three tackles of the All-Star game um, is going to Ole Miss and the Polynesian Bowl. Um, where Nico um, Imaleva, I think, is something like that, and won the MVP. But the MVP very well could have been Kedrick Riscano. You talk about a guy, Ole Miss at running back has a type. And this is what I noticed from Quinshawn Judkins whenever he was a recruit coming to Ole Miss. And that was his lateral movement. His ability to go side to side and make a direct hit into a glancing hit. Make a glancing hit into a miss. That ability right there served him increasingly well as the season went on. And he runs unbelievably hard and he processes and has vision at a very high level. That is what makes Quinshawn Judkins a great back. That is not a secret to anybody. Most everybody can know that. But Kedrick Riscano, he's a different back than Quinshawn. But his lateral movement is the same. You see him make slight jump cuts to the side to where that glancing blow becomes a miss. And he just becomes a handful for defenders to deal with. It is one of those situations where you, when you watch him play and you watch Dante Dowdle play at Picayune, you're like, well, you know, 
I like Dante Dowdle. He's a good player. But I kind of like this guy. I like what he brings. And you know if he plays high school football in Texas, he's very well coached. There's, there's no joke. We used to talk at the end at Rivals all the time. One of the problems with um, getting Texas prospects, especially Texas prospects projects, so if it's a three-star Texas player and a three-star Mississippi player, the Mississippi player has the advantage. But if you want a finished, polished product, kind of close to their ceiling, and you see that at a very high level, you get the high four-star, five-stars in Texas because there's less developing that you need to do. In Mississippi, you can take that three-star and turn him into a diamond. It's just what it is. I mean, the coaching in Mississippi high school is good. I'm not saying it's bad, but it's not at the level where it is in Texas high school. And they were able to build their staffs out to where there's, you know, 15 people on the field and, you know, Buddy Garrity auto dealerships are giving away cars um, to high school players and stuff like that, you know, at Dillon High versus West Dillon or whatever it is. Um, But you can see where Texas high school has a little bit of advantage over places like Mississippi, Alabama, Louisiana. Now, the ceilings on those Louisiana three stars are going to be much higher at times because they're not as polished and you have a chance to develop them to where you want them to be. But when you get a high four star or a five star out of Texas, you got something. If you get one of those out of California, you got something. If you get one out of Florida, you got something. So we'll see exactly what happens with Kedrick Ruskana. Really, really good player. He ended up with 100, over 100 yards, had a, the game-winning touchdown. Honestly, when you look at all-star games, backs don't run for 100 yards in an all-star game. You'll look at the box score, and it'd be like six carries for 32 yards or something like that. That's what an all-star box score looks like because these games are dominated by linebackers and defensive linemen. The offensive lineman doesn't have the cohesion and time to – the time to build it to effectively block these guys. They're not bad. I mean, the defensive linemen aren't monsters. It's just the offensive line takes more time than the defensive line. The linebackers, you know, take less time than the running backs usually. And because of that, the defense has the advantage in these all-star games. If you see them play, when a team, when a player shows out, that's probably going to be a dude. When you look at Dante Moore and the, um, what used to be the Army All-American game in San Antonio, the game he had, he's going to be a dude for UCLA. Yeah, I mean, you can see it. When you look at, um, was his name, Zachariah Branch, who played in the Under Armour game and then went out to the Polynesian Bowl, he's going to be a dude for USC. So players like that, you actually can pick them out. And there's going to be players that had really good games that you don't necessarily notice. I always tell people, they always see that something is happening. They don't know why that thing is happening when it comes to football. And I am a why is that happening type person. Now, people make assumptions, they connect dots, and it's just the easiest, lowest common denominator you can get to, but that might not be what's going on. So, I'm looking forward to it. Congratulations to Riscano. Um, Good back. I think he has a chance to be the two next year. And um, Ulysses Bentley the fourth is going to have to be ready. He he's he better um, pack his lunch pail in the spring and get ready to go because when Riscano gets here, that backfield is, is again going to be difficult. Like I said, he's got Quinshawn Judkins lateral movement and he's more of an outside player like Zach Evans. 
Now, I'm not saying he's as good as Zach Evans. I'm saying stylistically, that's what he'll be. So an inside-outside thing that we had this year, that could be on the table again next year. Unbelievably good back. I am unbelievably excited about this player. I mean, you look at Ole Miss's offense. You got an all-conference running back, which Ole Miss doesn't normally have. First team all SEC. Probably going to be backed up by Riscano. You got an all-AAC guy running third team. That is what the running back room is going to look like. The wide receiver room. You got Chris Marshall, a former top 30 player in the country. You have an all-conference USA wide receiver. You have Jordan Watkins, who has proved valuable over the year. You got Dayton Wade, who actually performed last season. So we'll see exactly what he does. I think his, he's destined for the slot, by the way. Um, you've got Jeremiah Dillon, who was hurt most of last season, but has unbelievable potential. You've got Larry Simmons, um, good player as well. Players like Brandon Buckhalter, you know, he's showing up and doing what he has to do. He has a chance to break out as well. The offense has a chance to be special. Caden Priestcorn, Michael Trigg. You're going to see some 12 personnel next year. I'm telling you right now, Priestcorn and Trigg will be on the field together. They're going to play Trigg at slot. They're going to use Priestcorn as a tight end, and they are going to attack the middle of the field. That is what I see when I look at this defense. And you've got that run game. They need to make those linebackers take false steps. As good as they are, like I said, full contact becomes a partial contact. The lateral movement creates. It also creates partial contact becoming a missed tackle. So you have somebody like Quinshawn Quinshawn, that has the ability to do that. They need to make those linebackers false step. They do so much deception in this offense. So much is about making those linebackers make a false step. And I honestly think they're going to try desperately to get back to that this year. Anyway, thank you. Thank you again for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. Make sure you check out our brand new podcast. It's Locked On College Basketball. Everything you need to know about college basketball in one place. Plus, hear from big-name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. It's Locked On College Basketball. It's available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Anyway, thank you very much for tuning in today. We'll be back tomorrow, hopefully, um, with Pratt Rogers. We're going to have Derek Vandegrift on there, Kara McCutcheon. She'll be back shortly. And, of course, Tom Vanderford will be on here as well. Don't forget our space tomorrow night at 8 o'clock Eastern on Twitter. We're going to do that as well. So, we're all about having fun and providing commentary and perspectives around Ole Miss sports. So, this, this is a blast, guys. So, hope everybody sticks around, and I will see you later.